Rabbi Stephen Wernick reflects on building the future. This sermon is called The Next Generation. Enjoy. Let's see if uh, you can recognize this. Anachnu yachad ke ramalamalama shabu 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 zikaron la netzak shuvabarabar yibidi bim bim chang 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 shabab tamid niyebe yachad wau yeah. What is it? It's Greece, right? Greece came out in 1978. But did you know that the first Hebrew production of Greece took place at Camp Ramah in Ojai, California, in 1980, and yes, I was in it. <laughs> and yes or no, I wasn't in a singing role. <laughs> but believe it or not, thanks to my Babi Allah Shalom, I was in a dancing role. <laughs> um, but it's just one of those things. Uh, if you ever saw Ben Platt, for example, when he was on The Tonight Show, uh, right after um, he was in uh, Dear Evan Hansen, he credited Camp Ma also in California, although a few years after I was there. Uh, he credited Camp Ma with helping him to understand that he wanted to be in theater. And he sang, I think, on The Tonight Show, I think it was Fiddler on the Roof in Hebrew. That's one of the things about Camp Ma that prides itself on being a Hebrewish kind of facility in terms of its camp experience, that there's a lot of Hebrew at camp, and the major play productions are translated into Hebrew and performed by a particular adult, particular age group um, every summer. And so when I was there in 1980, it was Greece. And it's amazing that when you do those kinds of things and you do it in Hebrew, uh, you remember bits and pieces of it. Um, and so I remember that song. I don't know why I remember that song in particular, but we go together. I remember it in Hebrew. And every time... I come across Greece, I'm reminded of Greece. My children will tell you I sing it ad nausea. <laughs> um, because it's a part of my childhood. It's a part of my growing up experience. And it was something that was really fun and it was cool. And 19, Greece came out in 1978 and 1980 already we're doing it in Hebrew and everybody just wanted to be a part of it. Uh, which is why, not surprisingly, upon learning this last week on Monday, that Dom Olivia Newton-John passed away at the young age of 73 after a very long battle with breast cancer. Like thousands of other people around the world, I did what any other person would have done. I watched Greece. How could you not? For all of last week, Greece was the number one streaming play, movie, musical on Netflix as a result, of course, of her passing. Now, why is that? Why is it that Greece, 45 years later, is still so popular and so interesting? Most critics and commentaries will say it's a mix of being a rom-com, a teen movie, with readily relatable ensemble of characters that, that stay within that character zone. And of course, it's also the music. Um, there's something about 1950s-style music that continues to inspire and to influence really all of popular music up until our very day. 
The question, though, is, and the question I want to explore this morning is why did so many people turn to Greece? Why did we watch it upon hearing upon her death? Why do we do that? And I think one answer is because it provides a sense of comfort. Somehow, her death disrupts our lives. Um, I know for myself, it, it helped to make me feel um, older, <laughs> that I'm of the age that people that were part of this iconic pop culture moment of my childhood are now passing on. And that disruption, you know, you, you feel the sense of communal loss when it happens. And so I turned to Greece because I, I wanted, at least in that moment, to reflect back or to enter back into that element of, of my childhood and of my past. And, and it's not necessarily the music for me. For me, what, what Greece represents is that moment of camp, of being at camp. And my longest standing friends to this very day are people that I met that summer at camp. And so I wanted to recapture that and somehow or other watching Greece following her death, following Olivia Newton-John's death helped me to do that. This Shabbat is called the Shabbat of comfort. Shabbat Nachamu. Nachamu, Nachamu Ami. Comfort, comfort my people is the beginning of the Haftarah. It's what Isaiah provides as his first of seven Haftarot, seven weeks of comfort for the Jewish people after the destruction of the Beit Mikdash, of the temple. The ninth of Av, 2,500 years later, we as a people still mourned the destruction. The destruction of the temple meant not only exile to Babylonia and then in the year 70, exile into the Roman Empire, but it meant the end of sovereignty for the Jewish people in their ancestral homeland. It meant the disruption of their religious life, their political life, their economic life, their social life. It was a total devastation of the Jewish people. It's amazing to think that we're here 2,500 years later, let alone that we've reestablished ourselves in the land of Israel. If you look at the history of other peoples that have been conquered in the way in which the Israelites were conquered by the Babylonians and then the Romans, we shouldn't be here. We shouldn't be here. So what is it about not only the Haftarah, but about the Torah reading, the Edchanan, that provides us with a sense of comfort and with the inspiration that our people over centuries were able to not only survive the devastation that they experienced, but overcome it and thrive. Iterei Torah, a collection of Hasidic commentaries from the 18th and 19th centuries, has one particular rabbi who suggests that Nachamu Nachamu should be translated not as comfort, comfort my people, but Nachamu Nachamu Ami should be translated rather as be a comfort. Nachamu Nachamu, be a comfort my people for each other, for the people. By coming forward to console, by coming together to support, by sharing, 
in our sorrow and providing support of consolation and comfort and inspiration, we are a comfort to each other. And perhaps that's part and parcel of what happens in the Haftarah and in the Torah reading. You know, it's important that when a family leads the, leaves the cemetery, when they take those difficult steps, when they leave a piece of themselves behind, the first words of comfort are the same words of comfort we recite at the end of L'Chadotih on Friday nights when the family, when mourners come into the synagogue after having suffered a loss. Hamakom yinachem erchem that God should comfort you among all the mourners of Zion in Jerusalem. 2,500 years later, we recite that because all the Jewish people are imagined to be mourners since the destruction of the temple. And as mourners, we can relate to other mourners. As mourners of a national devastation, we can relate as individuals to individual loss. That's what that means. I think I may have mentioned previously, I never fully understood that until 9-11. 9-11, watching the Twin Towers come down, I understood what it meant to be part of a people that were in national mourning. And that just makes you more sensitive to the individual mourning that individuals have to go through. No wonder then, two primary Important mitzvot of our people are the mitzvah of Bikor Cholim, of visiting and comforting the sick, and the mitzvah of Nichum Avelim, of visiting and comforting those who are mourners. That's the whole idea behind Shiva. Nachamu, Nachamu Ami. The obligation of Shiva is not on the family to sit Shiva. The obligation of Shiva is on the community to comfort the family that sits Shiva. It is incumbent upon us to make sure they have food, to make sure they have a minion, to make sure they're resting, to make sure they have an opportunity to go through the cathartic psychological benefit of sharing stories of their loved ones. Through that sharing, through those provisions of comfort, we are a comfort to those who mourn. Nachamu, nachamu, ami. And for our people, the brilliance of our tradition is yesterday was Tuba Av. Yesterday was Jewish Valentine's Day. Now, why does that come about? I, I wrote about this in the week's end. According to tradition, Tuba Av is a day in which God forgives the Israelites for the sin of the spies. When they first got to the banks of the Jordan River, when the Israelites were first, had the first possibility to enter into the land to fulfill God's promise is the moment in which they lost faith. As a result of that sin, a new generation had to be born and the Israelites had to spend 40 years more in the wilderness. Now that that new generation has come to leadership and maturity, they're ready to enter the land, and as a result of that, God forgives the people for the sin of the spies. And Tuba'av becomes a day of celebration and gladness and joy and of matchmaking. Of matchmaking. Because what's the best response 
to destruction, matchmaking. That life will go on. That people will fall in love. That they'll make sacred commitments to each other and build a family. And ensure a next generation that will learn from the mistakes of the past and move forward in time and place and history. The day after 9-11, I remember I officiated at a Brit, at a Brit Milah, and I couldn't think of any better response than that sacred ceremony. That's what Tuba'av ultimately is about. We suffer, we suffered at Tisha B'Av, but we didn't let that suffering overwhelm us. We continued with life. And the Torah reading, the Etchanan, coming every year after Tisha B'Av, gives us the theological basis for that experience. The Etchanan contains within it the Yaserat HaDibrot, the Ten Commandments, for which another commentary of Itere Torah, another Hasidic commentary, says the following. Parshat ve'etchanan korin tamid b'shabbat le'achar tisha ba'av. We always read Echanan after tisha ba'av. Ve'ha'inyan b'zeh, and the, the, the reason, the, the matter that is in that is dehana b'tisha ba'av asur l'mo Torah. That on tisha ba'av, it is prohibited to learn Torah. Because in Tisha B'Av, when the temple was destroyed, we could no longer at that time offer the sacrifice. So one of the rituals that we maintain today is we don't study Torah in Tisha B'Av. Therefore, we read immediately after Tisha B'Av, Parshat V'Echanan, Shuv we read Parshat Ve'echanan immediately after Tisha B'Av because we begin again immediately the study of Torah and we accept upon ourselves the, the old, the yoke of the commandments. It's an incredibly insightful ritual. Yes, the temple's been destroyed. And on that day, and perhaps for days afterwards, we mourn its destruction. But at a certain point, you have to get up from Shiva. You have to get up from mourning. And you have to walk back into the world. And for us as a people, that walking back into the world is walking back into the study of Torah and the acceptance of mitzvot. We don't let that destruction keep us in the valley of the shadow of death. We walk through it. That's the brilliance of our people. Um, yesterday, as a, a congregation, we buried a member of our shul, Michael Pupko. He and his family have been, have been members of the synagogue for a very long time. Uh, Michael is a survivor of the Shoah. He was one of the survivors of the Bielski families around whom the movie Defiance was made. The three Polish Jewish brothers who hid a thousand people for two years in the forest. And Michael came to Canada after the war and built a life for himself. 
and his family shared with me, like every Holocaust survivor family, the shadow of his experience was always with him. But he didn't allow that experience to keep him in the valley of the shadow of death. He built a life for himself. He made a living. He found the love of his life. He had three beautiful daughters who married three wonderful partners, had six grandchildren and six, seven great-grandchildren, one being born the day before he died and a second being born the week before he died. What better response to the Shoah, to Hitler, is someone who comes and moves forward with his life. And what Michael has is legacy. The legacy of children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren who will bear his name and even more importantly, bear his values in the stories that they are inevitably going to tell about him into the days and the futures ahead. That, that's an example of how our people respond to tragedy. Same is true for Olivia Newton-John. I saw an interview that she did on 60 Minutes a couple years ago when this last bout of cancer came back. And, and for sure, she has nothing but gratitude for Greece, which made her from a star to a superstar. But what is it that she cares about most? What will be her true legacy? First and foremost, family. But secondly, Olivia Newton-John took her reputation and her wealth and she created the Olivia Newton-John Cancer and Wellness Center, a center in Australia that is one of the leading centers of cancer research in the world, and more importantly, combines research, scientific research with clinical research and trials and wraps it together with a wellness program so that people who are suffering from cancer can address their challenge with the same frame of mind, a positive, forward-looking attitude that she did. Every article that I read about Olivia Newton-John, every single one talks about her character and her personality and her insatiable hope for the future. She was a person who was the fulfillment of the Haftarah, Nachamu Nachamu Ami. She took her own circumstance and she turned it into an opportunity to provide comfort for others. And that will be her lasting legacy. The way in which her name provides that Nachamu not only in Australia, but for all people everywhere. And I think maybe that's why we wanted to, read, wanted to watch Greece, because Greece for her becomes that mechanism by which we focus our attention on who she was 
and the impact that she had. Uh, one last thing, uh, that when I, was, when I was thinking about the sermon this morning, um, the song that stays in my head in Hebrew is Anachnu Yachad, We Go Together. It's a song about community. It's a song about friendship. It's the finale of the play and the movie Greece because ultimately what the show is about is friendship and the coming of age and the necessity of community to face whatever trials and tribulations life is going to have for us. And as long as we are together as a people, as part of humanity, we can sing. Anachnu yachad keramalalama shibu 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 zikaron la netzak ishwabara yipidi boom boom chang 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 shabbat tamini yebe yachad wow yeah so let's sing Musaf page 155 in our Sidurim we invite you to rise as you're able for Chatzikadosh <laughs>